I appreciate uh, if you were here last week uh, when I wasn't, but, uh, but you had the, the fill-in. Um. Well, he was. If you weren't here last week, uh, I, Tony and I were in, uh, well, we were in Murfreesboro, then in Nashville with Ryan, who celebrated uh, his 21st birthday and actually wanted his parents to be there for it. So we went up to celebrate uh, with him and, um, and dad was here to, to preach, and I appreciate, uh, yeah, no, no, don't, don't, I don't want to, no, I, I do appreciate and, and enjoy passing on to him all the, all the words and, and, and just kind responses and, and affirming words that you've, uh, that you've shared about that, but some of you have came up and you said, yeah, we applauded after his sermon, and uh <laughs> And I listened to it, all right? I listened to it last, and it was an excellent sermon, of course. But, but I heard, this is how, if you weren't here, I heard him say this, because he said at the end, he said, well, it's 9.02, and, and I've said what I have to say. And I'm like, that's why you applauded. He let you out 15 <laughs> minutes early. Like, if I said, let's pray and go home, yeah, 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 let's go eat. Um, I called him up. I said, look, I'm not inviting you back if you let him out 15 minutes early. So I have to live up to that. So uh, anyway, no, it was a, it was a good time, and, uh, and I do enjoy being able to share some of those. And thank you, everybody, who came out uh, Friday night for the concert. It was fantastic. Um, thank you, everybody, who helped us cram every possible person in here for that. Uh, we do appreciate that. We'll look forward to having those guys back again. If you didn't come, you'll want to next time. Um, I don't know where we'll put you, but, um, uh, but it, was, it was great. Yeah, in the new church. Yeah, that's coming quickly. So, all right, we, um, we're going to turn in a moment. To, uh, to Deuteronomy 30. I want to kind of give you an advanced look. We're going to, uh, this week, or next week, obviously, I'll be in Israel, and, and uh, David Herman, Reverend Herman, will be here to, to preach, and, and you're going to want to be here for that. He's a fantastic preacher, just like um, you guys hear Dad last week, and it's good for you to hear some different voices, so don't play hooky because I'm gone. Um, <laughs> And then the following Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, and Reverend Jay Morrison is going to be here to lead, lead the Ash Wednesday service, and that begins our season of Lent. And then I'll be back, and we're going to start a sermon series in Lent uh, that's, that's titled uh, The Week That Changed the World. And we're going to talk in for seven weeks almost about events just connected to the last week of Jesus' life. And so we're going to kind of trace through as we, we, we prepare ourselves and really kind of spiritually get ready for the celebration of, of Easter. So that's going to be coming. So just give you a little taste of, of what's to come. But, but today, thinking about um, choices, thinking about choices that we make. I, I was sitting in the office at home and I was just looking around and marking the, the, the things that I could see that were mementos or markers to, to choices in our lives. I mean, how many, if you could just walk around your house and, and look at things that, that you've kept or that remind you of significant choices that you've made. As, as I was sitting uh, there in the office at home, I can see the, the, the wall I have set up that have uh, the framed diplomas, the, what we call the I love me wall. Um, <laughs> You know, and, and for both me and Tony. And, and those are mementos of choices, 
choices we made of, of directions in life and continuing education and where we chose to go that, that set part of the trajectory for us. In fact, you know, the fact that Tony and I have diplomas from the same um, undergraduate school, Florida Southern College, that was significant because that played into the next memento, which is a wedding ring on my left hand. You know, that, that marks a choice, a commitment that I've made. I have a guitar hanging on the wall. Uh, that is, is a guitar I bought for my college roommate my first year that I never really learned how to play. But it sure had impact when I had a son <laughs> who was very interested in that guitar and, and kind of set, set a, a course for him. And, you know, we could do this all day, things that you have that tell stories, even, even things on, on, our, on our bodies. I, I have scars that tell stories. I had a kid years ago. I have a big star, scar on my right knee. And he said, how'd you get that scar? And I said, oh, it's because I chose to go left and my knee chose to go right. <laughs> you know, it was a football accident, you know, an injury. And, and I have a scar on my head uh, under my hairline, which explains a lot before you go there, um, <laughs> from, uh, from deciding that I didn't need to look both ways before taking my bike across the street. You know, those kind of, those kind of moments... Uh, uh, I've got a ton of scars on my legs from stupid things I did on bicycles as a kid, you know. But, but, but they tell stories. They, they remind us. And, and they, the significance isn't the, the scar or, or even the ring or the diploma or any of those individual things. But the significant part about that is the choice that was made behind it, the, the story behind it. And so some of the choices we make in life are, are incredibly everyday you know, the clothes that we put on, the shoes you're wearing, those kind of things are important, but they're every day. Some change the trajectory of our stories. And this morning, as we turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30, Moses is laying before the people of Israel a choice that they need to make. And this is not an everyday, don't give a lot of thought to it, insignificant choice. This is a trajectory-changing eternity-shaping, life-sustaining choice that they have to make. And so we're going to pick up in Deuteronomy chapter 30, getting to the end of that book, um, beginning at verse 15. For some of you, this is a familiar text. This is what Moses says to the people. He said, See, I set before you today life and prosperity. Some of your versions may say life and blessings. Death and and destruction. So I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live, and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land before um, he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. God. Let us pray. 
Lord, that we would see before us the choices that we have. That we would be open to the movement and the, the, the prodding and the direction and the, the speaking of your Holy Spirit. And that we would choose life. Lord, bless these moments we share. Bless these words that are spoken. May they be of you. And I pray that you would use them to draw us to greater faithfulness and obedience. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen. I don't know if you've ever thought or, or constructed the idea that choice is actually a gift of God. You know, if we were saying, what are all the, the blessings that God gives, the gifts that God gives, how many of us would think the ability to choose is a gift? But, but God has, has instilled that from the beginning of creation, right? From the beginning, from, from the day he created man and woman in his image, God gave us ability to choose. Remember, he says to, to Adam and Eve in Genesis, he says, the whole garden is yours. Do with, eat and partake and enjoy. But, but this tree, don't eat of this tree. I ask you to choose not to do this. And of course, they do exactly what God had asked them not to. But, but God gave them the choice. And we say, well, why even give them the choice? Well, because choice and that, that freedom to, to make decisions that, that affect the trajectory and direction of our lives is, is part of the gift of free will that, that God gives us. Otherwise, you know, we'd be pieces on a chessboard. And that's, that's not the freedom that God has created us with, even when, like Adam and Eve, we choose to misuse that freedom. And, of course, the trajectory of humanity is changed by the decision there. So often the trajectory of our lives are influenced and changed by the decisions, good or bad, that we make. But, but the ability to choose is a gift. In fact, Erwin McManus, who's a pastor and a writer out in um, California, he says the ability to choose is, is one of the most spiritual uh, things that we do every day, the ability to choose. He said, I mean, think about it. Put it in this perspective. What we are doing here are the moments, the moments to worship, the moments to enjoy the fellowship. These are the moments that we live into. But what we do here has first been directed by the choice you made when you got up to come. So, so the spiritual decision was the choice to come and worship, the moments of worship is where we encounter and, and where we meet God. But the spiritual choices shape the destination of our lives. And some are, are far more significant than others. We've, we touched on that. Uh, in our lives, there's some, some decisions that are life-altering and some just affect the, the, the course of a day. Well, Moses, in this text that we read this morning... Moses is laying not a decision before the people, but the decision before the people. The the most fundamental foundation, the most important decision they will make. This is part of of his farewell discourse. I've I've called Deuteronomy this before. If you've been a part of um, the church and you've heard me preach on Deuteronomy before, Moses is preparing to leave the people. The end of his life is drawing near. And they're on the the verge of entering into the promised land. They're on the verge of of passing over the Jordan into this land that God had promised to the ancestors 40 years before. 
And, and those who had left Egypt have since passed away. These are their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren. And they've never known what it's like to have a stable home. For 40 years, they've been wanderers. Their parents didn't know what it was like to have decisions. They were slaves. And so as Moses is preparing them, as Moses is getting them ready to, to, as, to, to fall into the leadership of Joshua and go into this land God has promised, he, he gives them these, these final words. And, and this moment, he, he says to them, you have this choice to make. And it is the choice between life and death. It is the choice to love God and obey God's commandments. Or it is the choice to follow the ways of the gods and the people in the land that you are about to inherit and step into. But you must choose. You must choose. And the ramifications of that choice will have generational impact. And so you can just kind of hear this this imploring. You know, there, there's a couple ways to, to think about how Moses may have presented himself. One is, is kind of that commanding general kind of a thing. You know, he's standing before Stern and Sears. Patton, you know, the, uh, George C. Scott, you know, the, remember how that movie started with Patton just kind of standing up and giving that stern lecture and those st- strong words. And, and you may kind of hear it in that voice. And, and that, we don't know the voice, so it's, it's okay however you hear it. But, but for me... You know, I hear it as, as an imploring parent. I hear it as a, as a father figure who loves these people. And he is desperate for them to use this freedom to choose um, wisely. And, and to make the decision that will be a blessing for them and for their children. You know, one of the, the last conversations, in fact, the last conversation I had with my mother before she passed away. In that, those moments of, of being together, knowing her days were few. One of the things she said to me, I'll never forget, is she said, Chris, hold on to Jesus. Hold on to Jesus. She knew that this was certainly going to be tough, but she knew life is tough. She knew that there would be decisions in the course of, of my life. And, and as she's there coming at the end of hers, her concern wasn't for her, but, but for those whom she loved. And she was desperate for her children to hold on to Jesus. And, and that's how I hear Moses. That's how I hear Moses saying to his children, hold, hold on to God. You have this choice. You have this decision. One brings life. One brings death. Choose wisely. Choose wisely. There's a, a scene in the, I, I drew from this, and in fact, I even just told, stole the sermon title from it. Um, and I don't know how many of you were fans in the 80s and 90s of the Indiana Jones movies. But, but if you were, if you liked it like me, I love those movies. And the, 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 the third in the series, I almost said the last one, but then they ruined it with the adding one more. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, they... Uh, was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And if, if you saw the movie, it's, the, it's this quest for the Holy Grail, the cup of Jesus. And, and you get to this kind of the pivotal scene at the end where they, they come in, they find this chamber where all these, these goblets are on the tables. 
And one of them is the Holy Grail that brings life. But all the others are false, false goblets, if you will. And there's this, this figure of a, a Knights Templar who's been there for thousands of years. And um, he, he says to the three that come in, he says, choose wisely. Choose wisely. Because as the real grail has the power to bring life, the false grail brings death. And one of the kind of the villains of the characters grabs the most ornate, beautiful cup, and he drinks from it, and, and he dies. And the line that the, the Templar speaks is, he chose poorly. And then the Indian Jones character finds the most ordinary, plain, used goblet, and he says, this is the cup of a carpenter. And he drinks from it. And, and the line is, he chose wisely. And, and I just thought about that figure and that, that, that life and death decision. And, and that's what Moses says to the people. You have, for 40 years, been, been led by God. In your times of need, he's sustained you. In your times of uncertainty, he's led you. In your times of fear, he's protected you. Hold fast to him. But you must choose. As he says, one brings life, but, but the other brings death or, or, or destruction. One brings prosperity. That, that Hebrew word for, for life or blessings is the wholeness of life. It is, it is a prosperity of, of experience, if you will, of, of having a fullness of life. And he says that, that brings life. In fact, you hear this echoed in Joshua 24, the next book. When Joshua is now leading the people, in another very famous verse in Joshua 24, where Joshua says to the people, Choose this day who you will serve, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I can hear the echo of Moses in that. This is what we will choose. Because he understands, as Moses understood, to choose the other leads to destruction. And that's an interesting um, result. An interesting outcome, if you will, of, of potential unfaithfulness. Because when we read that, or I read that, I tend to think of, of kind of a violent end. We, we, we tend to think, well, what happens if they, if they forsake God? And, and we think, as sometimes did happen in the history of the people of Israel, that the, the foreign armies will invade, God's favor will be withdrawn, and they will experience the ramifications of, of violent uh, overthrow. And that certainly is part of the story. But, but I don't think that's the fear Moses has for the people. I don't think that's the kind of destruction that he's warning them against because he warns them about worshiping the false gods and, and he warns them about the sin of idolatry. And this is what I think destruction looks like. It looks like extinction. It looks like extinction. It looks like a simulation. It looks like the loss of the uniqueness for which God had called and created them. It looks like them becoming like everybody else. What God had done from the very beginning, from the Levitical law through this, through this um, journey of the people of Israel, is called them to be unique. God had called them to be different. And the relationship and the obedience they're called to, and it's repeated twice in these verses, is predicated on this. Love the Lord your God. Love the Lord. 
And, and out of love births obedience. And when we are obedient to the love of God, and as we know from Christ and we know from the New Testament, the love of God gets lived out in the way that we worship God and the way that we treat and love others. And when we begin to look to the ways of God, when we are faithful to the ways of God, we are different. God had called his people to be different, to be unique, to be set apart. And here's what destruction looks like. (coughs) Excuse me. They lose the uniqueness. They lose the identity of who they've been created to be. They lose the potential that God has for them. They begin to look like everybody else. And after time, you wouldn't know the people of God from the people of Baal. You wouldn't know the people of God from the people of other religions because they would assimilate. They lose the identity that God had called them for. In in Kings, I think it's 2 Kings, the, the book of the law is found. The book of Deuteronomy gets lost in the history of the people of Israel. It gets lost for, for centuries. And under the reign of King Jos- Josiah, it's found. And it says, I think in chapter 22, it says that when Josiah heard the words, heard these words, he wept and he tore his clothes because he knew that the very thing Moses had feared is exactly what had happened to the people of Israel and the people of Judah. They had lost their uniqueness and their identity in who God had called them to be. You know, I think the worst thing that can be said about us as followers of Jesus is the church of Jesus Christ. The worst thing that somebody can say about us is that we look just like everybody else. The worst thing that can be said is, I can't tell you all apart. Because we choose the ways of the world. We choose the idolatrous things of this world, the, the hunt for material, the, the pursuit of, of comforts and, and the best of this life, the selfishness rather than the selflessness that Christ has called us to. The worst thing that can be said about us is there's just nothing different. Because I tell you this, and this was drilled into me by a, by a mentor and a teacher years ago, we don't look at the world and try to be different. That's not our call. We look at Jesus, and if we try to be like Jesus, guess what? We're going to be different. Go back and read the Sermon on the Mount. Read the Beatitudes. Read Jesus telling us to love our enemy. Pray for those who persecute us. Look at Jesus on the cross saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Look at Jesus who went and hung out with the people everybody else despised, who touched those who were untouchable who fed those who were hungry, who welcomed those who were outcast. And then tell me how we can't be different if we follow Jesus. And the destruction that Moses is afraid of is that they become like everybody else. And after a while, there's nothing different and set apart about them. I think for us, the choice to to choose life and blessings or, or, or death is, is to choose the way of Christ or, or the way of the world, to choose to be like everybody else or to be the distinctly set-apart people God has called us to be. You know, one of the things that just blessed me Friday as we were sitting here after the concert, and I think Malcolm and Mary were still here and the guys who came to do the concert were here and they said, they said to us, they said, we've never had a reception like this. We've never felt this kind of warmth and this kind of love. And that is affirming, and that's wonderful. But I'm thinking, why not? They've been in other churches. That, that shouldn't be out of the ordinary. I, I mean, what they said was very kind and affirming. But that shouldn't be out of the ordinary, should it? Shouldn't that be the norm? Oh, every time we walk into a church, we feel welcome and accepted. 
And we don't always get it right either. I'm not meaning to necessarily pat us on the back. But, but that, that is the, the, the crux of who we're called to be. We love God. We're, we're called to love each other. And, and to live into that. That's the choice that we're called to make. To choose to love God, as Jesus says, and doing so, you're going to love others. Or to choose to kind of follow the ways of the world, which says it's more about me. It's more about me. Life and death. Blessings and prosperity. What do we, what do we choose? What do we choose? Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. But that life looks different. It's rooted in Christ's love, and it's rooted in our love for others. Brothers and sisters, we stand before every day we have a choice. We have a choice to make. Our challenge, as Moses was to the people of Israel, so God says to us, brothers and sisters, choose wisely, choose faithfully. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we... um, we're invited. You, you, oh, you say to us, follow me. Um, be my disciple. I, uh, open the door to me. There's just so many ways you invite us into a relationship that changes who we are, that, that overwhelms us by your grace and your love, reminds us that we are unconditionally loved, but then also calls us to live that love to others. And, and in doing so, Lord, that will make us different. We will push against the contempt of this world and meet it with the love and the grace of Jesus. Lord, help us to do that. Make that be our choice every day as we open our hearts to your Holy Spirit. We pray that you'd strengthen us wherever we are. Meet us in this moment and call us to to a life of of faith and obedience. We pray it in Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen. Amen.